0: this week on the magnificently huge podcast the second golden age of television which we're in right now
1: welcome to the magnificently huge podcast with your hosts eric reed brian Kruger, and chris ryerson three idiots who decided to slap an adverb together with an adjective to bring you one magnificently huge discussion each week about the movies and pop culture we kind of like maybe even secretly love before we ultimately crab all over them We're not here to save the world. We're just here to make it weirder, one podcast at a time.
0: This is Magnificently Huge. So it's January 2019. This movie Serenity came out, um, and nobody went to it. There was a news article about how Matthew McConaughey and Anne Hathaway, who star in it, are angry that the studio didn't promote it. But the truth is, it doesn't matter how much promotion they did for a film like this, it wasn't going to do well. This is a kind of movie that made money 20 years ago, an adult thriller that's character-driven, that has twists, and meh. Nobody went to see a movie like that. And they're not going to today. If you want something that's adult and intelligent and well-written and character-driven, you can watch it on TV. Right now, some of the greatest television shows of all time are still on the air because we're in this really great moment. It started, I think, in the 90s with The X-Files, which was uh, a breeding ground for great producers and writers. Same with The Sopranos. A lot of people came out of The Sopranos that make the shows you love watching today. You can't compete with that. Not unless you're making a superhero film or the title of your film has a number on it somewhere i'm looking at you john wickley so today we're talking about the golden age of television welcome back it's a magnificently huge podcast y'all yo i'm, I'm eric countdown everybody I, i'm brian <laughs> that was brian this is chris and uh, hey. that was eric again Yeah, and I need to apologize for the lateness of the Last Shakes the Clown episode, because I'm a tool. Uh, (laughs) I just could not bring myself to edit. Like, every time I sat down to it, I was like, I hate this so much.
2: I think for the general listening audience, they should know podcasting is hard. It is. It's ridiculously difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you're a genius. This is, a, this a is genius. being
1: said by the guys who don't normally edit the podcast. <laughs>
2: well, we're not idiots. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. Whenever <laughs> no. I edit it, I, I go, oh my God, this is hard. This is like math. Here's some behind the scenes. It it For every minute of the podcast, it takes me about four to five minutes to edit the show so when chris shows up at the end of the show and just starts rattling off a list of shit to drop into the show i like want to reach through the internet and strangle his ass <laughs> to ad. be
2: fair i haven't done that in weeks literally we haven't weeks. recorded the
1: podcast
2: in weeks so here we are everybody <laughs> yeah. i promise not to do that
0: just as the beastie boy said it's not a hit if it's a hit you then it's a hit fucker. because of Mario <laughs> yeah, it's a hit if Brian does the thing yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh alright what's everybody been up to uh just doing a lot of reading man that's it right on so right. uh so yeah
1: that, that's the sort of thing we cover in one of our segments
2: oh what segment would that be we call it the fresh shit
0: this shit is fresh <sighs>
2: This stuff is Luckily what
0: you've read doesn't come with clips. So what'd you read, Chris? Uh, yeah, but you have to put in all those sound clips of pages turning.
2: Yeah. I could find you the audiobook version if you want. No. Uh
0: yeah. I have to
1: listen to it all to find the right relevant parts, right?
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh so am I is it me? Am I going? Am I the yeah. leader? Yeah, you off That's on this you, one dude. Okay. Uh, so I, I read the, I finally read the book mash that the movie and the TV show are based off of. Ah, um, it's quite good actually. Uh, it's not as good as something like catch 22 to be honest, but, uh, it's still deserved of its, uh, progenitors, if you will. The, and from that
0: it, period of time when people needed to be told that war wasn't sexy or awesome. I mean, yeah, that's what it's that's the Catch-22 milieu, isn't it? Ah, uh, sure. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but the book, is, <laughs> the, the book is very much like the movie uh, that Altman did. And it's, what, it's uh, Donald Sutherland and uh, who's he, what's it's, uh, who's the other guy? Shit, I can't remember his name right now. Elliot Gould. Elliot Gould. And they play Hawkeye and Trapper. And, uh, and so the, the book, hues very close to that. It's when they get into the TV show that y- you kind of get more like Frank Burns wasn't big into the book. Uh, he was just sort of a passing character. So it's kind of weird to see that, but it's good. If you, if you've seen mash and you're interested in how it started, then uh, pick up the book. It's quite fun. Mm. Uh, and then sort of following that, I just got under this weird trend of reading books that became movies and so I picked up a copy finally that I had never read of *Princess Bride* by William Goldman.
1: No way! Yeah, I I went to the *Princess Bride* today at the Alamo Draft House.
2: So you saw the movie? Yeah, nice. today. Screenplay by William Goldman. So mm-hmm. yeah, he he adapted his own work. Uh, the book is very, very, very close to what you see on the screen. So it's it's quite a. A feat.
1: Is it the the framing device of the grandfather reading to the kid?
2: uh He adapted it slightly. In the book, it's basically him doing an abridgment of this classic by a guy named S. Morgenstern. Stern. So it's basically him cutting in to the book to sort of surmise what has happened. So it's basically the Peter mm. Falk part. So it's it's all more or less intact to the screen. uh What you're seeing, he just sort of changes it up slightly. Um, because the whole conceit of the book is that it's a, a historical compendium that his father read to him as a kid. And he always loved it because it was all full of action and adventure and whatnot. And then it turns out that the book itself is like this massive 700-page history of this European country that's got all this extra fluff. And that's all the stuff that his dad cut out. And so, he just got sort of
0: the abridged version, so he decided to make it. So, it's, that's the conceit. Uh, but it's still very funny. That's where he learned his art and craft in editing. There's right. all the unimportant shit. Uh, yeah. the good stuff. Yeah, but he's very cheeky about it, and, and
2: all of sort of the back and forth with the Morgan Stern quote unquote uh, estate and this and that. So it's it's mm. he takes a lot of pot shots at publishing. He takes pot shots at the movies because in the forward and afterward he talks about how they got the movie made and uh
0: etc so it's fun i remember i remember in school a lot of people like love to shit on william goldman and i was like i think he's just shitting on him because he was successful yeah well Uh, well even he he wasn't like the greatest wordsmith he was a great editor he was great at taking a concept that was too big to be a film and making it work as a film
2: yeah Well, even he has admitted that he's a novelist at heart, so he kind of accidentally got into the screenwriting business, and then that sort of took over, and kind of went from there. But then, so today I started reading Marathon Man, just for shits and giggles, and uh, that's really fucking good as a book. The movie's amazing, but the book is pretty fucking cool.
1: I think you're doing it right, Chris, because the book is always better than the movie. Yeah. Always. And... So, so, the best way to enjoy these properties is to watch the movie first, get what you're going to get out of the movie without having it being ruined because you'd already read the book. Yeah. And then go read the book.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Although we've been on yeah. record and, and uh, have stated that Fight Club is the only thing that bucks that trend. The yeah. movie is so and, much better
0: than the book and The Lord of the Rings. The Lord of the Rings is unreadable.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. Because they yeah, had the good I'm sense to give you that. They had the good sense to cut out Tom Bombadil. So kudos <laughs> on that. Uh, so yeah. So I've just been reading a shit ton of stuff because I got nothing better to do. Although I did see on Netflix uh, it's called Polar with Mads Mikkelsen. Have you heard about this thing? No. I've heard of it but I have not watched it. Uh, it's it Basically it's it's a typical uh, based on a graphic novel about a assassin who is trying to retire and then they try to kill him etc uh it's huh. it's it's your boilerplate premise and is it in english or is it in Swedish? yeah no it's it's in english because uh okay. it would intrigue me was it's mads mickelson number one which i enjoy uh when he's in stuff and yeah. he's got a fucked up eye in this one so 90 okay. percent of the movies he makes he's got some sort of fucked up eye thing going on <laughs> so that's covered uh does he just have a fucked up eye and they're and they're, <laughs> yeah, they're yeah. writing
1: it into stuff, yeah, like yeah. the rock's tattoo or
0: something? Yeah, I think that's probably right. Yeah. Uh, maybe every writer wants to write a character with a fucked up eye, but no yeah. no actor's willing to have a fucked up <laughs> eye. Well call Mads, he'll do anything yeah. with his eye. Get me Mads Nicholson.
2: Yeah.
1: It's
0: like visual shorthand for evil, right? Yeah. Bad yeah. eyeball. Yeah. We're making Johan Wick. We need somebody to come into this <laughs> with a fuck up. <laughs> yeah. So, he's
2: in it and gets a fucked up eye. It's really fucking gory and violent. But Matt Smith from Little Britain and late of uh, Doctor Who as Nardole, uh is sort of like the de facto effete baddie that's ahead of the organization that's trying to kill him. Uh, and then... It's got the girl from High School Musical. Uh, I can't remember her name right now. Mm. Uh, the one who used to date, Zach Efron. Anyway, mm. she's in it. Uh, and it's directed by Jonas Ackerland, who did the movie called Spun. I'm L-
1: sorry. Uh, you, you, you lost me. Matt Smith or Matt Lucas?
2: Matt Lucas. Was Matt Smith was Dr. Oh, who. Yeah, no, Matt, no. Yeah. Matt yeah. Lucas. Sorry. Okay,
1: sorry. I got that, my mats that, that, confused.
2: That me up, too. I crossed my mats. Pardon. <laughs> and who? Uh... But basically, it's it. The guy that directed it did a movie called Spun in like 2003, which was a dark comedy about meth addicts, and you kind of get the flavor because he just—it's all over the top. It's just—I it, 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 just—it's—it's it's extreme in everything. The violence is extreme. <laughs> the sex is extreme. Uh, but it doesn't know what tone it wants to set. I mean, it starts off kind of like red with Bruce Willis and Malkovich. Uh, and then it becomes this weird brooding John Wicky kind of thing uh, that takes itself super serious. And so it just never strikes a good tone. So don't mm. watch it. I don't recommend it. But if you like Mads Mickelson and his eyeballs, then, uh, then yeah, take a peek. But uh, <laughs> you got to wait a while for that shit to happen. Uh,
0: but it's called Polar, and it's not any good. Sorry. I think we're in that, that, that period of literary history, you know, the, the cultural epoch where we go from vampires to zombies to vampires to zombies. We're in that one where we have Hitman, hitman again. Yeah. It's like, now we're going to have but the mythology of the Hitman, the job that doesn't really exist in great numbers.
2: Yeah. Well, apparently it does. So, yeah. Uh, so, uh, I'm open to any suggestions for the next book I should read uh, based on... What Becomes Movies. You know? Oh, What Becomes Movies. Yeah. Like, I might go back to It. I
0: might go back and read It again. I haven't read that in, like, 20 years. That is a good read. And I can't speak for... I never cared for the miniseries the way everybody else does, and I haven't watched the new film. But that book is fun. Okay. That's all I got. Yeah. All right. What about you, Brian?
1: Uh, I got a bunch of shit. So we're recording this on Super Bowl Sunday and that'll be that'll be relevant in that.
0: <laughs> oh, can I just One say the- real quick? Yeah. Can I just say real quick in all advertisements that reference that they have to call it the big game because they're not allowed to say Super Bowl right. because the NFL yeah. will, you know, fuck them all up. Well, you know yeah. what? Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl. Fuck you. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we'll give you a percentage of the zero
1: dollars. Yeah. In fact, we'll give you a percentage of the money we're losing yeah. making this podcast, so you have to pay us yeah. for yeah. having said Super Bowl, NFL. Um,
2: so, yeah. So, by the time people so, are listening so to this, they,
0: the,
2: we'll, we'll just say congratulations to the Patriots
0: <laughs> <laughs> for
2: defying the odds. Yeah.
1: <laughs> God, I, so I was sitting at... At at dinner, uh, you know, not caring about the Super Bowl. We're like, who's in the Super Bowl? We didn't even know. We're very proud of ourselves. Yeah. I did catch one of the commercials, though. And okay, God damn it. Somehow Star Trek Discovery didn't get me, but the Jordan Peele Twilight Zone is probably going to get me. I knew it would. Subscribe to CBS All Access. I
0: knew it would. I knew it would. Unthinkable is the expected. When truth is not the truth. What dimension are you even in?
1: That commercial is perfect.
0: <laughs> Get out. Yeah. <laughs>
1: but I actually referenced uh, Super Bowl Sunday because for, for right now when we're recording this, I'm in kind of a, a smaller crowd, but I won't be by the time this comes out. I went and saw an early showing of the Lego movie 2, the second part. However, was it. it was not as
2: good as the first one. Uh, Go figure. That's what I figured. The trailer looks awful. Mm. I just nothing yeah. about it suggests I should see this movie.
1: It it lacks the the sort of just dada is chaotic m- craziness of the first one, and it, it the first one did that great piss take on Batman and there's nothing <laughs> that fills that hole in the Lego movie two. <laughs> Batman's still around Lego Batman's still around he- and they don't like take another character and just you know. Turn the rocks over on it the way they did. Was
0: was this the the Lego movie? Was that the one? Um, okay, I had heard that they were going to get Harrison Ford to voice Lego Han Solo, and they were going to get him to voice Lego Indiana Jones. And at one point, Lego Han Solo and Lego Indiana Jones were going to have dialogue, and it was just going to be him talking yeah. to himself. Is that this? Or <laughs> was yeah, that they didn't else? get him. Oh, okay. That was
1: the first Lego movie. So uh, the thing about the Lego movie too is it's too meta. It it sits there and lampshades every reference it it is is dropping and it's dropping all sorts of of clever jokes and then it's like but see get it see how clever we are and in that sense it's a kids movie that doesn't respect the kids intelligence and that's always frustrating
2: so how would it compare to something like because you saw the the teen titans movie right oh teen titans uh go was to the movies was better okay
1: uh, the Lego Movie, let me put it like this The Lego Movie 2's best part Is the end credits Which are again made in, With real Legos In physical world and the song Is, it's got a rap about how cool The credits are by the Lonely Island
2: And that's like <laughs> okay. Fantastic, so incredible Woo-hoo! It's the credits
1: That, that's about as good as it as it gets. I'm I'm going to move
2: on. Okay. <gasps>
1: it sucks. Don't bother thanks, with thanks for
2: thanks for taking the hit on that one.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um so I did uh, I did see a documentary on Salvador Dali. Dali. Um It was like a one night only in the theaters kind of dealio. and yeah, boy. Dali. Was yeah. full of himself, wasn't he? Yeah, well, yeah. hello, Dolly. <laughs> Dally. Well, hello,
0: Dolly. <laughs> 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 Dolly. It's so nice Carol Chan. I, I,
1: I admit that I really didn't know much about the man. Uh, you know, I am just familiar with the, the popular works, so for me, this was um, a real eye opener in terms of other paintings that keep showing up in his work from other artists. And of course his wife, who is apparently, you know, the model for a ton of his work. Hmm. Um, and, and really kind of drove things, but yeah, it's, uh, it was, it was entertaining. If, if it shows just called Salvador Dali, if it shows up on one of the streaming services, you, you could do worse.
2: Well, yeah, he's got a weird, History of stuff, like I know Disney was working with them hardcore when they did Fantasia. Yeah, and it uh, yeah,
1: actually showed some of the Disney stuff that he did.
2: Yeah, and, and it's goddamn. Yeah, it's pretty fucked up. And then the stuff he did with, did they go over uh, the stuff he did with Louis Brunel, the like and Nandaloo with the uh,
1: um, they didn't get him into much of his like film work, okay. actually. they kind of just glossed over that. okay. Um, there was a big long section though Towards towards the end of his career I guess um, He bought a castle For his wife And said I would like to give you this castle And she's like I will accept only on the condition That you can only come to the castle If I send you a written invitation Oh wow Because at this point She was so <laughs> sick of all of the hippies Showing up at their house And having happenings and stuff uh, she, she wanted to like put more distance between her and Dolly to rekindle their marriage and get away from the hippies. Yeah. That was pretty cool. Fucking hippies.
0: <laughs> uh, One sympathizes. So, Every that. time I try and have sex with my wife, those goddamn hippies come around and just ruin the whole thing. <laughs> Fucking
1: hippies. Yeah. That's what you get uh, for living in Portland. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
2: <laughs> well, more importantly, uh, as long as you can find a postcard with the persistence of memory on it, uh, everything will be okay.
1: You, you, everything will uh, be okay forever
2: yeah. then. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I, I'll make this my last bit of fresh shit. Uh, I went and saw the Broadway touring company of Disney's Aladdin.
2: Aladdin. 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 <laughs> so. How was, how was Robin Ooh. Williams? Ooh.
1: <laughs> um. So the only Disney musical I'd seen to date had been uh, the Broadway production of Beauty and the Beast. And so that kind of set my expectations, where it's like, okay, Disney, I want practical sets, I want special effects, I want to see the money up on the stage, and oh, boy, do they deliver. I mean, it's Aladdin. It, the story is exactly the story you are expecting it to be, and it doesn't have any like you know serious moments or deep emotional resonance. But fuck, did they put the money on the stage? <laughs>
2: Was it better than um, a, than a, like a David Copperfield show?
1: They did magic tricks. There were several nice. magic tricks nice. because there's a damn <laughs> genie, and there were at least three like quick changes right in front of your you know just. Right there on the stage in front of your eyes something someone's costume is totally different. I can take um, that. They did
2: that a few different times. So they uh, had pyrotechnics. Yeah, they had a flying carpet. And did the they manage? Flies. Did they manage to find an actor to do Iago that was as annoying as Gilbert Gottfried. Oh, there's a big surprise. That's an incredible... I think I'm going to have a heart attack and die from that surprise. They,
1: they have an annoying Iago. Uh, okay. I don't know if he's as annoying as Gilbert Gottfried, but he's deliberately <laughs> annoying. Okay, because it's a He's had...
0: not trying to be Gilbert Gottfried, right? Because No, could be not
1: at all. <laughs> okay. No, they made some smart choices in terms of diverting from the movie. So Iago is just a, a guy who sucks up to Jafar. Jafar is a great mustache twirling villain, and there's no there's no monkey at all. In fact... <laughs> oh, that's a wise what, choice. <laughs> what they've replaced the monkey with, apparently, was something that was in the earlier drafts of, of the movie, which is Aladdin's three buddies. And they're great. Um... They bring back some songs that were written for those guys, I guess, for the movie. They bring and back some songs that were written for the movie that, you know, that were not in the movie. You
0: grab your horse, you grab your gear, your moments, now your
2: moments, here it's time for high adventure.
0: You're up and riding, saber flashing. You're better, higher your bowlers gnashing you
1: feel so dashing on a high um, there's like a whole other albums worth of music from Alan Menken and Tim Rice in this thing that above and beyond what was in the movie
2: well apart from ain't never had a friend like me what's what's the other big one i can't remember
1: oh a whole new world was the the that,
2: okay the big i always single. i always fuck that up and i think that's in little mermaid that shows you what i know no, okay
1: but they actually the genie actually Uh, does like a little medley of Disney songs from other Disney properties at one point.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Of course. course. (laughs) Including
1: Under the Sea. Okay. Um, The genie might as well have been played by Titus (laughs) Andromedon. The guy was basically a manlier version of Titus from Kimmy Schmidt. Uh, Okay. um, Gotcha. And they did a smart thing with the genie Uh, The the genie in the movie, of course, the jokes were going to get dated real fast because it's just Robin Williams riffing. And what they've been doing is they're allowing the genie to update its pattern and do more modern references.
2: Even though it's set in some distant Middle East. Yeah. So (laughs) the genie made a Wakanda
1: joke.
0: Uh, Okay. Um, uh. Makes sense. But
1: yeah. This, this show, if you want the razzle-dazzle, these guys are bringing the razzle-dazzle. They do every kind of dancing. They have square dancing in this thing. They have weird walk-like-an-Egyptian dancing in this. And then when, during Friend Like Me, which is set in, like, this ridiculously lavish cage, Cave of Wonders set, complete with pyrotechnics, when they finally bust out the sparkly tuxedos, the canes, and did the full-on tap number, I'm just like, yes! So, <laughs> <laughs> big... <laughs> dumb broadway show Uh, brainless but awesome
2: i cannot wait till the spider-man musical goes on tour and you tell us all about that
1: i wish that was a thing i really do i I wish that would happen
0: i have had this okay i've had this stuck in my head the replacement for the parrot get fred schneider hey look it's (laughs) the kid who's got the genie you know that would be that'd be cool uh Okay, okay, that's a very, very dated reference, of course, but I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I don't know. I don't have a respond. I even was thinking of uh, Othello. I didn't even. I don't even know this this, this property well enough to know what you I mean. Iago, by Iago. a
1: parrot who, who was yeah. the, the comedic relief
2: next to the villain. Me mm. thanks Eric didn't have a girlfriend when this movie came out, and that's why he doesn't know it so well. Mm. or a kid in the 90s yeah <laughs>
0: yeah, I yeah. Yeah. I, yeah 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 well, Yeah. Anyway. whatever time of uh, you're talking about in the 80s or 90s if you're trying to determine whether or not I had a girlfriend you're probably right just okay just go with yeah no he didn't okay
1: so that's my fresh <laughs> shit Eric
0: yeah yeah oh I've been watching the assassination of Gianni Versace which is the latest um thing from that guy who did Glee I'm always watching uh, really what's it Brian Murphy Ryan Murphy always seem to be watching Ryan Murphy stuff Uh, you know it's like really good candy Um, I'm watching this and this is really different from what he normally does because it's super super dark it's yeah doesn't he do American Horror Story yeah that's the thing that is like comic book funny that's campy right and the is camp it? Never sort of it. takes a level of of i don't know ink out of it this is the straight shit on uh Cunanan and the week of killing he did leading up to gianni versace and it's just so fucking dark i i was i was about to drop out i told my wife i don't think i can handle this this is too much for me and she's like what, what? is the matter with you this is too much for you you're like yeah. Hannibal Lecter. Yeah. bloodlust yeah. has been
1: dripping all over this podcast for months now. And what?
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and like, every man has point, its limits. Uh, Mike Farrell from the TV show Mash plays PJ. One, plays one of his victims, uh, an older gay man who's in the closet, and he tapes him up and beats him to death. And I'm like, this is this isn't this is just mean. You know, there's like I realized my bloodlust has to do with you know shitheads getting it. I'm watching this and thinking, eh, maybe I don't want to kill everyone. I yeah. Yeah, I certainly have a lot of hatred, but this is this is beyond the pale. Um, maybe, maybe I'll yeah. take a pass on that Ted Bundy movie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I've yeah. been I've been eyeballing that, but of course, my opinion on Ted Bundy, he's part of the reason I said last week that I was pro-capital punishment, you know? Okay. I mean, yeah. we don't need that guy around anymore. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, I, I, I'm i watching that. I'm almost done. It, god damn, it, it, it is really good. But like I say, it's, 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 there's no cream in this coffee. It's very, very heavy. Black. Um, <laughs> None more Black yeah uh uh let's see the good place is back on yes yeah watching that i've gotten to the end of the season yeah yeah i i do again i don't trust them to to stick with any premise they create so i never feel like they're jumping the shark they're always jumping the shark so i kind of i kind of dig this season ender
1: they remind me of the Farscape writers in that they keep riding themselves into a corner and then just somehow getting out of it. yeah, like it's like, it's like they're daring each other like how how can you break the show this week and yeah. <laughs> keep yeah. getting it basically have you Have you seen all the way to the end of the season yet, Season three, mm-hmm. Eric?: Yeah, okay. so I'm pretty
0: happy with the end of the season. i yeah, yeah like i. I, I I guess I, I keep looking at it as like one ongoing arc, you know, and I don't see any, either it's a bunch of different acts or it's just one long crazy thing. So, like I said, no matter what the outcome is, I always know I'm in transition. Something else is going to happen.
1: Well, I got to say, uh, Sean the Demon uh, plays a pretty good trick by the end of the season. So I, I mm-hmm. like, like Sean the Demon this season.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is good. I'll grant you that. <laughs> I grant you! I, gr- I grant you! Yeah. Talk um, about an inside joke.
0: <laughs> I, I, didn't I, I, I have not been saying that for 25 d- years?
2: That's the problem, is it's so inside, we don't even remember where it came from. Yeah. <laughs> it's just ingrained. We
0: I really think it's just that we were drunk. And I uh, grant you! It sounds yeah. like... Uh, the, the guy from my dinner with Andre and uh, Princess Bride. <laughs> maybe that's, maybe that's, that's it. That's
1: okay. At this point, if one of us says Incredible Hulk, even people who've been listening to the podcast for a while won't have any idea what it means. Yeah, it's because we're <laughs> professionals now. <laughs> uh, yeah. Go figure should, that out. Listen to all of our shows and see if you can figure that out. Which, oh, which it, reminds yeah.
0: me, we now have a sponsorship deal. Uh, this podcast has been brought to you by the Tourism bureau against tourism no matter where you are stay there okay back to the show <laughs> thank you
1: all right did you have any more fresh shit
0: um i thought i did but you know like typical me i cannot remember a goddamn thing i did this week uh i am pulling the right, shit out of sky I notes rim. Can I t- can I say that I've been playing Skyrim like a motherfucker, and that has really been limiting my ability to try anything new. So, I've been okay. I've been
1: hoping you would go play Hitman um, on the Xbox because I think you'd dig it.
0: Yeah is that is that part of that? Um,
1: yeah, that, it's part of the Game Pass.
0: Game Pass. Yeah.
1: So the deal yeah, with I Hitman will- is you've you've got to like. Really get to know the territory so that you can come up with crazy mm-hmm. um, schemes to kill people.
0: Oh yeah, I played Reach. it when it was on GameCube years ago, and I loved it. Yeah, one of my favorite games, okay. definitely. Um, oh, I did. That is one other thing. I did finally watch soup to nuts john wick i uh saw like the second half of it when i was at home in arizona for my dad's funeral so didn't quite get the uh full experience of this film at the time uh but i've watched it now all the way through from the beginning and it's fucking fantastic just fantastic you know i didn't want to bring it up i haven't seen him I, cause I, yeah, I watched
2: in the last couple weeks. Uh, I I watched John Wick again, and then I turned right around and watched John Wick two. Uh, mm, I got well, so to watch next, because I'm all refreshed and ready for three. number three. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so I, I think I'm gonna just have just to say? watch him Yeah, uh,
1: get <laughs> to John Wick three this week well, with you guys, because I'm it, gonna miss the train.
2: Well, if you liked Atomic Blonde, it's definitely the same flavor. It's not quite yeah. as over the top atomic blonde just went like to 11 it's john wick on 11
0: but john wick is still pretty fucking crazy i mean it's just so ridiculous john wick really pushes the uh mythology of hitman culture it's like they've created an entire hitman culture that is um i can see i'm i'm just on the the at the tip of something they're expanding on with the other films but it's like it's silly you know (laughs) it's it's silly but it's fun yeah.
1: yeah well I assume that, that the main appeal of John Wick was you had to be on board for a movie about a guy who kills everybody because his dog got killed and you know if, well, you're, it- <laughs> if you're down
0: with that premise
1: then it's a bunch of gun food just right? about like, everyone yeah. he kills
0: it. as they're like as they're holding their hand up to stop him and begging for their lives almost all of them say but it was just a dog yeah I, I, as I was explaining the film to my wife after like I say the first time I sort of saw it I said, I don't know. It's kind of stupid. It's Keanu Reeves, and he's a hitman. And he's killing all these people because they killed his dog. And she says, you'd do that. And I go, yeah, you're right. Okay, I'm
2: going to give this another shot. (laughs) Well, what I love about John Wick, just as the mythos... Uh, is it literally is like a John Woo version of a country song. I mean, they took his house, they took his wife, they took his dog, <laughs> mm-hmm. they took his car and he's just goes on a, a blistering rampage to get it all back. It's, yeah, it's really
0: good. So, um, yeah. So that's the, the other fresh shit I've been watching. Oh, I can't wait for number three. That's going to yeah, be a good two. One. I mean, Oh mm-hmm. God, motorcycles, horses and, and Katana blades. Fuck. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> exactly. I am, I am in. Yeah yeah bring it all right so that's fresh shit kids i've wanted to do a show on what i think is the second gilded age of television i don't know if you agree or not um i didn't give you guys any preparation materials because i want to kind of hash out our theories on this live um Mm. but here's my thinking okay in the 90s we had cable We had, and and network television was still kind of in charge, but all TV sucked, right? It was all, I don't know, safe and boring, and it was sitcoms, it was friends, it was just, just awful. And there was this little show called The X-Files that was a breeding ground for some of the most creative writers in television, and now all of these guys are producing their own shows.
1: So is this a J.J. Abrams bad robot thing?
0: I think I think he's part of it, but I'm thinking also of like the guy who who created the Man in the High Castle was an X Files guy. The guy who created Breaking Bad was an X Files guy. Uh, the other part of the story, though, is the further you get away from commercial television, the greater your chances of making something worth watching. Because the Sopranos came out. Well, actually, no. Yeah. It's I think it started with Oz. The HBO had this show Oz that was. You know, one of the first really binge worthy hour long dramas, but it didn't have a huge yep. it didn't have a huge w- viewer base because it was dudes in prison. I, I have trouble watching it. I don't want to see that much rape. Um But then they said, well, what can we do? That's more commercial. And they get the Sopranos made. It goes fucking crazy. It becomes the f- first show people binge on on DVD. Uh, right. Yeah it's sort of the beginning and it spawns a bunch of writers who go on to create mad men and you know, other shows. I can't actually think of the writer's room of Sopranos. Well, (laughs) I'm, I'm at a total loss for this particular topic.
2: Uh, I'm going to be the asshole in the corner because I don't do any of the water cooler shows typically. And Mm -hmm. apart from mad men on that list of shows, I didn't watch any single one of those. Mm. So I'm, I am at a loss to, to participate in how good they are because uh I've never seen them and I think I'm past
0: the apex where I would even consider trying to watch them. Yeah, but we're talking about, that's about, about like 20 years of television. There's something in well, there you've watched.
2: Well, I I watch like I'll watch Green Acres if it shows up on TV. Jesus I mean, I don't give a Christ, shit. Man. <laughs> well, that's an example. <laughs> but uh but I I don't think I would revisit uh, shows that were at one point like the, the zeitgeist, the Acme. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I just... I, I don't have it in me. So whenever you talk about Breaking Bad or anything like that, I'm like, well, I, yeah, t- I'm sure it's a good show, but I'm not going to watch it. Mm, you so, should. <laughs> so I Sopranos hear. Sopranos
1: really was the thing. I mean, I agree with you that Oz was the beginning of it, but the Sopranos was what kicked it into high gear yeah. and really kind of raised the the stakes and say, hey, actually... There is such a thing as prestige television and big name actors. Maybe you should, you should consider being on the boob tube. Yeah. Um, you, know
2: what, you know what killed Sopranos for me? Because I watched the first couple. Because I had friends that had HBO so I could catch it. Uh, Lorraine Bracco killed that for me.
0: Eh, she kills everything. Exactly. She's even, yeah. She even makes Goodfellas kind of a hard watch sometimes. Yeah. You know. I, so. I But here, this is my micro impression of Lorraine Bracco. It's from the preview for Medicine Man with Sean Connery. Oh, <laughs> what shit. do you mean okay. you lost a cure for cancer? That's it. You lost a <laughs> so, cure for cancer. Oh, uh, anyway, yeah. So so uh,
1: I'm going uh, to ask you though, Eric. Have we have we seen? the wheel turn because they just announced this last couple weeks that they're making the Sopranos prequel series. Yeah. And I swear to God, Tony Soprano is being played by Gandolfini's son. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think that's a good choice. Uh, obviously, but don't make the show in the first
2: place. I have a feeling it'll turn out like the sex in the city movie. Uh.
0: Well, not just that. I mean, they, they're also making a, uh, breaking bad sequel. And Walter White's fucking dead, so I guess it's going to be uh, the story of Jesse Pinkman and what happens to him afterwards. But yeah, yeah, going back to the well—that's that's always dangerous.
1: Yeah, that's, and I I just don't like prequels conceptually because mm-hmm. they're robbed of the dramatic tension. Yeah, right. I, Tony Soprano I, is never in mortal jeopardy in the pre- prequel.
2: Yeah, yeah, or that's true. Is he? Well, so, by your reckoning, okay, so there's the the first golden age, which is what, like the 50s, right?
0: Yeah, that would be the, so big, it's all the dawn. Of that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. The dawn of
0: television.
2: Dawn. Uh, but there are some people that have suggested that there's that blip in the early 80s-ish, uh, that would be considered this, like, a second golden age, because you had really? the, the bochco stuff, and, uh, and, and things of that nature, it, ever like so LA brief, like kind of well, like Hill Street Blues and St. Elsewhere, and then you have like Cheers and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So I there, there's some. Well, I'm just, I'm just
0: repeating the stuff that I googled today. Yeah, I uh, would say okay. no, just because that was almost <laughs> exclusively one really solid programming director at NBC. If you look okay. at most of those shows, yeah. they're all the NBC Norman Lear's Cinematic night.
1: Universe right like right we did yeah. a whole show about the norman yeah. near thing in the 70s that that doesn't count as a golden age of television
2: episode right,
0: you, 13 i might add you get all sorts of blips but this period now is when just everywhere you look there's something really worth watching the yeah. um the, well, the, the 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 hands-made tale on is on hulu uh you know a fucking hundred shows are on netflix um even the good place is on a major network station it's kind of like everyone's rushing to produce this weird thing called quality.
2: Well, the, uh, so my problem is that it, there's almost too much. It's mm-hmm. sort of yeah. like going to a, a sh- like a buffet and you kind of just freeze because all you can see is the hundred thousand options and you just want to eat something, but then mm-hmm. you don't know what you want to eat. That's kind of the, <laughs> the problem now is because they're just so much available. Uh, and I don't watch a lot of TV anymore as it is. So when something pops in, I, I will sit there and wrestle with whether or not I want to hit play. Cause I'm like, do I really want to get into this? And do I want to keep with it? I mean, it's <laughs> so, just, I've abandoned so many programs that, uh, you know, like Walking Dead. I tried it the first like two or three seasons uh, and I went, okay, I, I'm out. I like walked away like it was a crap game. I'm like I'm so done. Let See me, Let me
0: just make sure I'm clear on this. Your problem is that there's too much good television, or there's not enough bad television. There's just too much television, <laughs> so it's hard to discern what's going to be worth my time. Oh yeah, right. But because that's the just flip the medium. That's not you know the the actual stuff that's being broadcast. It's true though. We've got network television and and cut cord channels like Netflix and cable itself. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying is that, you know, we're
2: of an age where we basically had three major networks, PBS, and then an independent station, like in the days before cable. Mm-hmm. And so, it was all pretty easy and laid out. And then over time, it has grown exponentially. So, now it's like, well, I'm not going to subscribe to this service. But if I don't subscribe to this service, then I won't get this TV show. So, then I need to go find that. And then, well, what about this show that everyone wants to watch now? So, then mm-hmm. I'm going to get that service. So, it's like, <sighs> And yeah, it just yeah. becomes sort of a. a
1: the next a, thing you know, you're subscribed to fucking CBS All Access to get the stupid ass <laughs> Twilight Zone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: exactly. Hey, well, here's like, what you do: the, Star Trek Discovery now, though.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll binge the shit out of it in April when I it's
2: subscribe baller. for like a month. Yeah, I was gonna yeah. say that's what you do: is you you just wait till the show's been out for a while, and then you do the free trial, and then that's all you watch, and then you're done. Yeah. Boom.
1: Yeah, I think I think what's going on though, Chris, is there's at this point, it's it's almost like the internet, like everyone is just segregating into their little tribe, yeah, right? And so we're seeing fandoms, and there is an excellent TV show for any fandom out there. And so, yeah, I've never watched The Walking Dead, but I know that they're out there. There's whole conventions about The Walking Dead. Well, don't get me wrong, because I've
2: I've done that myself, like in the early 2000s. So we're talking like 04 to 08-ish, 09. uh, I spent... Most of my TV watching... uh on LimeWire, downloading BBC comedies that you couldn't get over here. And that's literally all I watched for like five years. <laughs> I, I
0: mean, really show sure. so you find some new way to be a hipster. This <laughs> explains your Christmas gift two years ago.
2: But this is, but that was the only stuff that I enjoyed. Like everything that was on regular American TV was just bollocks. I mean, it was just... I know. Just, you're, yeah. you're better
0: than all of us, but the point so. is... <laughs> <laughs> but, uh,
2: but but that's where I found uh, like black books, and that's where I found the original office uh, IT crowd Mighty Boosh Greenwing I mean it's just French, all that right? stuff and then you start seeing the, the, in the French <laughs> <laughs> and then and then you start seeing the remakes though that come I'm, out like they do the I've American a office French word
1: for you Eric,
2: douche okay <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I mean that, if that makes me a douche, uh, so be it. But I, that's all I enjoyed at the time, you know, but, but there are a lot of great shows, Yeah. but when you get over to the stuff that you get now, it's, you know, I kind of am looking for that sort of fix and rare is it that something comes down the pike that, that actually makes me go, Oh, like, I think the good place is probably the last thing I saw where I actually it hooked me from the get go, and I went, right. "Okay, I just mainline it. Give me more of this." And then, yeah.
1: I think that's the only like network show of the big three networks that I'm terribly invested in. Yeah. yeah. Um. So one of the things about the golden age of TV is it's these channels like AMC and HBO, mm-hmm. and you know, and to some degree Netflix and Hulu trying to distinguish themselves in a crowded marketplace. Yeah. The fact that they are making shows that it's like, well, you're not going to see uh, The Handmaid's Tale unless you get Hulu. That's, I mean,
0: but, the yeah, whole but marketplace
1: the, has changed.
0: But I love the idea that a, an independent producer can shop a show and if NBC says no to it, NBC also knows they might get their asses handed to them if this thing gets bought by A competitor you know or or by netflix something that's slowly killing them so they can't they the the problem with television before all of these options was you they had too much power to decide what was good enough to put on television and it was usually the safest option and it wasn't even decided by quality it was decided by you know advertisers what are people likely to pick up ads for and now it's like, that's you don't critical. want hands you want don't want handmaid's tale that's great go fuck yourself we'll we'll sell it to hulu it does well and that's another pile of money nbc doesn't get i think that's well, but that- that's part of what makes it so good is just that that it's not all tied up into just the big three anymore but that's why that's why it started at hbo because right? they were
1: not beholden to advertisers. They didn't have to worry about mm-hmm. whether this pissed off Unilever or whatever. Right? Yeah, They could show anything, murder, violence, sex, you name it. And one of the things that HBO has been amazing at is they had The Sopranos, and then they followed it with, you know, they had Six Feet Under kind of as the secondary show. Mm-hmm. And it was like, well, what are you going to do now, HBO? How are you going to follow that up? But they keep doing it. They give us yeah. The Wire. They've got Game of Thrones now. Oh, Game God, of Thrones is going to come to an end. The Wire is like, another
0: show I, like, I want to tell everyone to watch, except then I become one of those people who's always telling people that they really need to watch The Wire. But it, yeah, there's so many great shows they have done, and at the same time, there's some shit they've done, and you gotta respect their willingness to uh, cut bait. Like John from Cincinnati, that thing that came on after the last Sopranos episode was awful. And they didn't have ratings. They could have let it stay up, but they listened to viewers who said, this is awful, and they got rid of it. So it's not like they have no culpability. But you got to give
1: some props to AMC, because AMC had Mad Men, and they had Mm -hmm. Breaking Bad, and they had The Walking Dead, and they are beholden to advertisers. There's no
0: AMC subscription service, right? Yeah. But I, I thought about that, too. But my thinking is AMC had no shows that were a big deal. They, you know, remember W something. They they had a show about a radio station uh, before this. And so they were not big with advertisers. Then they come up with Mad Men and Walking Dead. So they came up with it in a period where they didn't have advertisers to lose these shows are so huge that they can basically dictate to advertisers. If you want to be on the show, you you gotta pay this much. You gotta advertise at these times as well. They're holding all the cards. So because is that going to be another nowhere.
1: like Brandon Tartikoff? Is there just like some genius at AMC that's that's shepherding all this stuff?
2: I b- no, because then you get then you get something like Fear the Walking Dead, and that blows that theory right out the water. Yeah, isn't it doing so. well though? Fuck if I know. Yeah,
1: but they also <laughs> did Halt and Catch Fire. I mean, AMC's had a string of hits. Big hits. Yeah.
2: So it's, yeah. But again, it just boils down to they're just, they're just so much choice. And it's like, because even like the sci-fi channel isn't on it now. And you get all these limited run series and they're sort of, some of them just seem like they're trying to chase whatever is quote-unquote quote, quote, popular.
1: It's no longer the sci-fi channel. It's Sifi.
2: Yes, that's Siffy. Yeah, okay. Sippy. <laughs> my, my bad. Siffy. Uh, yeah, the, the, the shark movie channel, whatever the fuck they show. You know,
1: screw the sci-fi channel. They keep, they keep doing this where they build up a good lineup, and then they'll, like, ditch all the sci-fi and cancel it. Like, they had, yeah. they had one of those big water cooler shows in The Expanse, and then they killed it.
0: They had I believe one somebody of the best sci-fi yeah, one of the best sci-fi series of all time in Battlestar Galactica, and I'm sure it was an accident, because everything else I've ever seen <laughs> yeah. sucks dick. But that show, I, I watched that a couple of weeks ago. I, I, I went back to watching it stem to stern, as I do every couple of years. It's still good. It's still so goddamn good.
1: Yeah, I've already said my piece on this show
2: about the
1: Battlestar Galactica <laughs> reboot. Yeah, I want well, yeah. to like
2: it more than I do.
0: And I don't have a dog in the fight because I crapped out about three seasons in. Yeah. S- this is, sorry. Yeah. It's okay. I'm not, like I said, there's, I, I think Mad Men was, you know, a lot more boring than it needed to be. I mean, the, yeah, it's not yeah. everything is for everybody, but it's amazing that there's this much good television almost all at once.
2: Well, I, yeah. Like, uh, when the stuff started hitting DVD, because I, I didn't have cable. So that's when I first watched uh, Band of Brothers from HBO. And that, to me, was like a revelation. I I loved it so much. I, I mean, like on a visceral level. And I don't know why. Because uh, it's... Uh, I, well, because I like World War II stuff to begin with. But that one just... It was even above and beyond like Saving Private Ryan or any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. I can't really explain it. And then that, that sort of set me off on finding the other stuff that they were doing. So when Milius did the show rome mm-hmm. uh which is basically the, the second season is just drek. so if you're going to watch rome don't watch the second season but the first season is basically just a very violent version of uh, julius caesar it's literally about how they end up killing caesar but they do it over the course of a, a full season and so that's the sort of stuff that that i tended. to to, to gravitate towards. But if it was on regular TV, I'd be like, yeah, whatever, okay, sure. Chris, And then I'm if sorry. it shows up.
1: I have to like non sequitur you hard here, but um, when you brought up Band of Brothers, have you heard about this new movie called They Shall Not Grow Old? Do you know what this is? No. Okay, They Shall Not Grow Old is in theaters right now. It is, it is a new Peter Jackson movie. Um, like he directed it? It's a documentary from, from Peter Jackson. He was given something along the lines of a 100 hours of actual oh. film footage of World War I. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. I did,
2: I did hear about this
1: one. And then he and Weta go back and they colorized it and they made it yeah. 3D. So it's yeah. like Ooh.
2: real, but enhanced. Or something. Yeah, yeah, I did, I did hear about this one. I didn't know that was what it was called. Yeah. Uh, okay.
1: I, cool. I am wow. very intrigued by this, but I'm also a little f- terrified of, I, I suppose it's a step up from we're just going to make a historical drama and, and we're going to, you know, whitewash history, but to take actual footage and then, like, change it, right? Like,
2: <laughs> so, like, it sure like, wasn't like one of the battles... The D, that- you know? Yeah. Well, so, like, the... The battle, the battle of the Sun and
0: Gandalf shows up.
1: You shall
2: not pass! <laughs>
0: <perish! laughs> but it's worth, you know, it's not like they had to destroy the original footage in order to make this. I mean, I'm pretty sure in the special features section of the DVD, you can see the original footage. But yeah, I kind of dig sure the fact it, that they yeah, yeah. update and make the other stuff available.
1: Well, and they're making it real for people. They're making it, I mean, no one wants to watch that old grainy black and white, you know, footage, no. and so they're like, here's how mm-hmm. we can get a modern audience to give a shit. Anyway, sorry, total aside, let's get back to television, but, yeah.
2: yeah. No, that's fine, because it, it, it actually is in because when uh, HBO did the follow-up to Bandit Brothers with The Pacific, yeah, uh, I was super excited about that one, but it's just what? not as good. It wasn't as tight. Yeah, it wasn't as tight. Yeah, I and I think it's because Band of Brothers is, is effectively the story of Major Dick Winters and following the 101st all the way through, whereas Pacific was just like multiple story stories. threads. Yeah. And it's like, ah, uh, there was too much going on. I understand what they're trying to do, but it's just, you gotta, even, even with bad war movies, you still have to limit the scope. Because there's just mm. too much going on. So, it's, it's kind of a fine line. So, it's, it, you know, they're looking for prestige, but, you know, it's sort of, can they do it? Can they not? And that's sort of the first thing I think anytime I go into one of these new shows. It's sort of like, are they going to be able to pull this off?
0: Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they do. I think this is another good mention, though, of another thing that is responsible for this second golden age of television is the miniseries because Shogun is I think one of the best miniseries of all time. That was from 1980, the story of uh the the European captain who's stranded in Japan. Um it, it took the country over when it was when it came out. It was the biggest right, deal so ever.
1: Are we back to that sort of late 70s early 80s period with this then or is I, it I think that's
0: I think I'm just saying it like at that point, you know, uh, oh, yeah. And then you have roots and rich man, right. poor man. You had these yeah. like moments of miniseries, these where you could take as long as you needed, but you weren't required to go on longer than was needed. Yeah. And it, it gave it gave the writers of today the the idea that, you know what, it's got a beginning, middle and end. And don't yeah. go past that if you don't have to.
2: Well, and that's the one thing that I think is very strong about the f- the new formats that they have, and they're not beholden to networks like they used to be, and so you can actually expand out your story arc over you know ten twelve whatever episodes right and they can actually take their time to develop ideas rather than cram it all into like one forty minute script because you've gotta leave twenty minutes for commercials or whatever right. Uh, so, I, I like that. Uh, like, I recently started watching uh, You're the Worst, which was on FX, and I would missed it when it had come out, and... I just I didn't really know what to expect, but basically it's like an anti rom com rom com. Yeah, but bas- that- the, but the first season is ten episodes, and it, it literally <laughs> plays like a like a five hour romantic comedy. Like they hit all of the the standard beats, but it's just enough of a fuck you twist yeah. that I actually kind of enjoyed it. So that's the kind of stuff where you see risks being allowed that may or may
0: have fall flat, but. Uh, it kind of spices it up, I guess. I guess so that's I where what I, from. I like about all this stuff is that basically somebody can come up with an idea for a show that I would love, but that wouldn't have gotten made before. Cause somebody would say, yeah, but the average American doesn't like that. And it's like, yeah, but Eric yeah, Reed but- is kinky and weird and stupid. We're making it for <laughs> him, not for the really? average American. And yeah, that's, that's what I like about all this. I, I, I mean, I still love Lost, even though it ended poorly, and my wife despises it. Even though we watched it all the <laughs> way through, she's like, "They fucked me on that show." No, I don't like that show. Yeah. I like that there's enough good television that we can each pick something that we like. And yeah. be so into it.
1: I'm gonna, I'm gonna see if I can bring us to the to maybe a. a I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna put a thesis out there that maybe can help us wrap this thing up, but. Mm. Um that is I dispute your initial argument. We are not in a golden age of television. We are witnessing the death of television and the birth of something post-television. Ooh. These these streaming Ooh. services are not beholden to advertisers. The business model is different. The mm-hmm. format of the show is different. They're made to be bingeable. I think the lesson of something like the Marvel shows on Netflix um, says that, hey, you don't need to fill out a whole season with filler. Just make it tight. Tell the story you've got. Hey, make the episodes however long they need to be. You see that in something like Maniac, right? Where yeah. they, you know, some of the episodes were 40 minutes and some of the episodes <laughs> were an hour and 10 minutes and they were exactly right. as many episodes as they needed. I think that this isn't television anymore. This is the new medium and a new
2: business model and
1: it's superior.
2: Hmm. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying is that it, it? instead of a series that we're used to, like the traditional episodic uh, kind of thing, these are actually just elongated movies that are broken up into chunks. Right. And then that's how you're watching it. So, it's almost like watching a serial, uh, but it's all part of one giant hole. And since people binge it, I mean, you're literally watching like a five-hour movie.
0: Yeah, uh, that's, which is just r- ridiculous, considering that people never used to sit through a three-hour <laughs> right. movie. So it's, it's and that's what I I think makes it so much better than you know I guess whatever tele- what television was and in a lot of ways what films were is that today we, they will go for it with that show just as much as you need and no more no less and maybe it yeah. is a, a destruction of the television business model but I'm kind of down with that because i I do everything I can not to give advertisers any of my money for any reason, Because so, 'cause I'm an asshole, so
2: <laughs> no, 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 but uh but I'll be damned if I'm gonna subscribe to the Disney plus channel, yeah, I'm no. just gonna mark my
0: territory right here, no, like that, oh, no, so that's
1: get me. They're gonna get me. Well, yeah. Well, be-
0: you can tell us all about it. Wait, what's your you password? Send you us can't your password. Back on having kids anymore, unless like no. your college-aged son really wants to watch Star Wars <laughs> and Marvel <laughs> The <We're> reboot. <laughs> of yeah. Clarissa explains it <laughs> yeah. all, no, or something.
2: Star Wars and Marvel, and that's why they're gonna get. Yeah. Me. Yeah. yeah. Disney Plus is gonna have a corner on some markets, but that's the irritating part to me. Is it because of that? It's gonna be such a fragmented marketplace that uh, I think it'll end up. Dwindling my options, just well, me personally. It, I can't speak for the general public, but for me, it'd be like, no, fuck that. I'm not going to subscribe to another goddamn network. That's just it's me.
1: also <laughs> eating cinema, though, right? So it's, I mean, it's the inevitable end game for both things. <laughs> all of the money you're spending in the movie theater, all the money you you know spent on, well, I don't know, you weren't spending money on TV, but it's it's all just kind of transferring to these services. And yeah, you're going to pick the services that meet your tribe's needs, and that's about as far as it'll go.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah.
1: What we're losing is, and, and that's what these water cooler shows are trying to accomplish, I guess, is what we're losing is the cultural moment, right? Roots was a big deal because everyone was watching it at the same time. Yeah. And almost nothing is like that now. Game of Thrones is about as close as it gets.
2: Yeah. Well here's the the monkey in the wrench the fly in the ointment is that the the opposite side of this coin is the surge in reality TV over the last 20 years.
0: Well it started that with has like more like
2: survivor and that mm. but
0: that is that has sort of taken over as sort of the water cooler conversation. Yeah, y- yes and no, but okay it it that's largely a network television thing. And network television has gotten its balls kicked so hard by what we're talking about that they are, reality television is the cheapest thing they can do en masse and get some money out of. Like the Kardashians is this weird thing that came out of nowhere, but they also had so many reality shows that didn't live because they want to churn. It's like the it's, it's like it's they Andy used to be Warhol's able to fifteen
1: af- minutes of fame writ large, right? It's, they used okay, to be able to right.
0: churn uh, sitcoms. They can't churn sitcoms anymore. But sitcoms were the death of American culture in their time. I mean, it's and like variety reality shows. shows are just and, yeah. part of the normal awful. I guess <laughs> they're the new normal awful. Yeah, that's what they are.
2: Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, uh, all right. Name some, some shows you've already rattled off a few, uh, but give me some more shows. Let's see if I've I've (laughs) actually seen the show.
1: Chris wants us to rattle off a list. Go. Oh, that's a good idea.
2: (laughs) You don't have to put, yeah, you don't have to put clips in
0: okay oh god that <laughs> i didn't catch that brian at, at home like like wiping sweat from his brow yeah. going no maybe maybe you don't mention 100 goddamn yeah. shows <laughs> yeah.
2: that was a honey trap uh i was only kidding i don't actually need you to recite a bunch of programs that i haven't seen i yeah. know what i haven't seen damn you uh,
0: a honey pot <laughs> indeed um indeed, i can get us sound indeed. right there
1: that's easy <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay i'm gonna i'm just gonna run through a few okay because I, I found a list <laughs> uh okay i'm just gonna uh, uh randomly futurama yes uh king of the hill yes uh, these are all things that Wikipedia says are part of the second golden age of television. And again, I am really going random. Oh, Orange,
1: I'm, I'm well, not sure about Wikipedia at the moment.
2: Yeah, well, yeah. we could get into a whole other realm of the all of the animated stuff, because that's a, that's
0: a whole other that's fall true. wax. That is true. We should do that. Uh, Orange so, is the New Black. That is definitely part of the... Orange is New Black? Anybody? Nah. Yeah, or, I, or? I guess... Or?
1: to to me it's uh that's kind of the follow-on to weeds which yeah but yeah
0: uh rick and morty yeah again animated that 70s show and i i mean if i was to make a top 10 list the x-files mad men breaking bad all the ones i've already mentioned would be on it everything else is just i don't know it's it's higher quality than what we've seen in the past and i'm happy about all right well, then let's just end on this. What is the last TV show, like, series
2: uh, that you watched like, and really got into?
0: Uh, ah, the last one I watched and really got into, The Punisher. Okay. That's another one it. that would never have existed before this because it's not episodic. It's violent <laughs> as fuck, and it doesn't yeah. care. Here's my impression of The Punisher every episode, him blowing something away going Aah! that's pretty much the show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I would I would only say to any listener who's gotten this far if you're interested in watching any of these shows, start with the wire. The wire is the best show that everyone should watch. And yeah, I am one of those dicks who's always pushing the wire. So the wire. <laughs> okay. So the wire. The wire. What about you, Brian?
1: I mean, we've been talking about the shows we've been watching on this podcast, haven't we? I encourage the audience to go back and listen to our podcast. Listen to it. Rate it. Share it.
0: Visit us. <laughs> oh, door! I see what he's there. doing there. Yeah. 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 And that, that, iTunes, that iTunes thing where you get podcasts, that's a great place to talk about how much you love our podcast.
1: You can find the old episodes of our podcast on maghuge.com M-A-G-H-U-G-E dot com That's right, we
2: got a whole show archive right there Yeah yeah. And then
1: share them with your friends on your social media feeds Rate us on iTunes and Google Play and wherever else you're getting your podcasts and, uh, You can find us on Twitter at maghuge or on Facebook, we're magnificently huge. Or on Instagram, we are magnificently huge. And you can email magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com. And you can find links to do all of those things, to so find us on all of those places at that website, maghuge.com.
2: And just remember, Magnificently Huge was recorded before a live studio audience.
1: I'm going to end this fucking show one way or the other.